In today's crazy world, we're constantly using things we don't need, doing things we don't like, and never really moving forward or getting the results we're hoping for in either ourselves or our animals. Are you ready for a change? Join me, Wendy Patrick, your host on Quantumly Yours, Finesium Health's podcast, and become empowered to take control of you and your animals' health and well-being. We're all quantumly connected, so whether you're around the corner or around the world, it doesn't matter, because we can help each other and all work together on our journeys. So come, join me and together we'll myth bust, share advice, knowledge, truths, and suggestions to help you awaken, grow, and continue your journey to a healthier, happier life. Hi folks, it's Wendy Patrick here, your host on Quantumly Years. Welcome to another episode. I'd like to thank you all for joining us and especially if this is your first time, welcome. If you are a regular, then thank you very much. And I would also thank you because I know you're also part of the reason that we are getting seen a lot more than we thought we would be at this point. And uh, certainly if this is your first time, please share with your friends and also look at any of the links or buttons or notifications or bells or whistles or subscribe so that you can keep up to date and in fact find out information when new ones are released and even watch some of the old ones or again maybe for some of you. I also want to let you know just at the beginning here that in the middle of the week or the middle of the month I'm sorry Usually the middle Wednesday of each month, we have um, uh, a Q&A, which is live on Zoom, and we just had one yesterday. Um, so you missed this month, but we will have another one in the middle of August. Um, nice little groups, which are nice and private. And you can ask anything you want relating to pets or people, healthcare, um, and other natural ways of uh, remedies, um, tonics, topics, and share information as well with other people that are on the Zoom call, not just asking me, but it's great to sort of get some information back and forward between all of us, because the more we know, the more we can do, and the better we can continue on our journey. So today I just want to touch on a little bit with our uh probably more than anything else are dogs, I guess, because the dog um, population has increased um, during this pandemic. And um, certainly there are a lot more dogs in homes now and a lots of empty shelters, which is good on one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that there are a lot of dogs being moved around the country or countries, even across border and things like that. And with them, they can certainly be bringing their own challenges with them. Um, not so much even just a change in home for an animal, but this thing is being 
on a truck for 14 or more hours, um, which in itself is a little bit crazy. And then having to adjust to a whole new climate and um, probably another accent. But with that being said, a lot of these dogs that are getting new homes, they are finding wonderful owners. But uh, unfortunately, the dogs have not generally appeared with a handbook in tow. So dog grooming is one of the most neglected um, parts of husbandry, if you like, animal husbandry, um, that there is. And certainly until I even got into the industry in 2006 and took my grooming course in Scotland, I had absolutely no idea just how much was involved. Um, so if you don't know anything about grooming and this is your first dog that you've had, don't worry because there are people there to help and there are dog groomers and they are certainly, if you can find a good one and one that your dog likes, whether you do or not is actually quite irrelevant to be honest. But if your dog likes them and they look good and their groom maintains its look and they, they smell clean, they don't necessarily have to smell heavily scented. Um, but then you want to basically look after that dog groomer that you find and uh, treat them like absolute gold because they are worth their weight in it. Um, now, a lot of the dogs that are coming in from out of country, like the pot cakes or the Dominican dogs or any other ones um, are sometimes of a, a shorter coated variety um, or even a, a double coated variety, which don't in fact get clipped or shaved or shouldn't do unless it's under vet supervision or vet guidance or recommendation. And then the vet can deal with the issues that are caused because the dog can't thermoregulate when you took off its whole layer of insulation. Um, so yes, double coat breeds should not be shaved folks. Um, any good groomer will refuse to do that. Unfortunately, a lot of groomers have bills to pay as well. And if they started turning away half of their clientele, then they may not be able to be in business, but there's the ethical question on that one. Um, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I used to do it until I knew better, but it's the same thing. Once you, you can do what you do until you know better. And when you know better, then do better. And that's something I live by every day. And certainly um, I have come through a few times uh, in the past to other uh, clients and said, okay, we're going to do it this way now because I find out this is a better way of doing it. And that's fine, as long as you don't look at a, a different way of doing something and go, well, that's not right. Um, and don't actually consider it or think logically about it or investigate or research it further. So yeah, definitely um, double coats do not get shaved. However, they do need groomed. Um, a good bath and brush out still by a professional groomer if you're not willing to put the, the uh, elbow grease into it. <laughs> it's a lot of elbow grease. Um, by helping to release that dead coat, bathing it thoroughly, drying it thoroughly with the proper tools and equipment because a damp coat will also, if you haven't got all the dead coat out, a damp coat will hold under that dead coat right close to the skin and you'll end up with skin irritation or what are known as hot spots. It's almost like a, a wet eczema type thing and they can be difficult to deal with. 
um, and certainly they can they can add to an awful lot of issues if you've got a big heavy double coated breed and you didn't know that was going on underneath everything. So professional groomer is very useful to have to be able to have the right tools and blow that coat out thoroughly, help to get rid of that undercoat. And then obviously on top of that, for those coats that actually do need trimmed, then they are also worth their weight in gold again to be able to do that. They know safe handling, they know um, how to look after your pet. And certainly um, finding them can be very difficult because with the increase in um, dogs in homes at the minute because people are staying at home and therefore thinking oh we've always wanted to be home more often so now we've, we've got the dog to be able to do that with unfortunately there's less groomers since this whole thing started than there um, were beforehand um, which is then you know 10 20 percent less than what we actually need on top of before they they went down so we're probably um, having a severe shortage of dog groomers and dog groomers actually are um, either skilled, trained, educated or experienced out there. So it's a, a difficult time for a lot and especially for our pets, because then um, someone just new just opened up down the road and oh, they've only been doing it two weeks and they did an online course. Well, your snappy little dog that's not being used to handled is going to nail that. <laughs> that per person um there's no no nice way of putting it um so this is something you have to be aware of both as listening to this thinking well my dog's going to a really good groomer i'm lucky yeah you are very lucky or somebody going well i'm going to become a dog groomer then and well you just met that little dog who's not been used to handled and you're going to get nailed on your first day out um you don't want to give a dog a bite record because of your um, inexperience or lack of training or knowledge. Um, but unfortunately, it's always the dog that suffers. Certainly, you can also suffer as well with the bad reviews or the bad press that you get from something happening uh, if, as a groomer of the dogs under your care. Um, but the end of the day inevitably the dog will have had a bite record and that's always an issue so we want to avoid that at all costs so anyone who is deciding to become a groomer right now it's very difficult to actually find some good training um you can do an online course but that would be like you know i i wouldn't be going to a dentist who learned how to do dentistry online um certainly that's a <laughs> even easier though to, to probably do um, because you know you can tell a person to open their mouth and you sit there and you can use a clamp if you need to and then go through all the teeth but you can't do that with an animal every single dog unless you've got experience with dog behavior um, dog communication body language understanding the range of motion and muscles and joints um, understanding if dogs come to you with different issues like hip dysplasia, luxating patella, which is where the kneecaps pop out, which is really disconcerting as a young groomer. If you have a dog on the table and all of a sudden the, the, the knee goes like that and clicks from one side to the other. And it's, it's a little traumatizing um, and unless you're actually going through school or something and, and learning about all of those things. Plus, you have to understand as well that um, 
there are certain ways to lift a dog, certain ways to hold a dog, certain ways that you can restrain a dog, safety measures and handling. And uh, some anyone else out there who's like, oh, I don't care about grooming, I'm switching this one off, just hold on a minute. Reason I'm going through that is because you also have to be aware of what a groomer is going to be doing to your animal. And therefore it's important for you to make a very well-informed, educated decision as to who you are going to entrust with your little fur baby. So how do you choose a groomer? Well, that's a tough one. First of all, you may not have too many choices in your area, which is obviously a little disconcerting and difficult to then pick the best of the best um, or just the best of the worst. And if they're no better than the worst of the worst, then uh, I would learn to do it myself, honestly. Um, if you have a brush, and a comb, because the comb is important, then you can do an awful lot of maintenance at home yourself. Um, lots of people have started that way. Lots of absolutely terrific world-class groomers that started that way, where they picked up a brush, they picked up a comb, and a lot of them are self-taught. They don't need to go through a whole ton of education. And in fact, there's no regulations in dog grooming anywhere. Um, lots of countries have tried to instill things or tried to encourage things to be um, promoted about proper uh, regulations. But they, the thing is that the regulatory bodies as such don't know exactly where to put groomers because they're non-invasive. So they can't put them with the vets because, I mean, they can't do injections or anything else. So they don't actually come under there. They do a lot more than just a kennel handler or a boarding facility would do or daycare because they're actually going around an animal with a very long pair of shears. Um, you know, anything up to, uh, you know, about 10 inches long. It's not just your little pair of craft shears, but there's a, a pair of mine I'm holding up for those who are watching and not listening. And those are about 10 inch pair. Um, so <laughs> it's something, you know, you can't really take lightly and know that this, this could be very, very dangerous if a dog moves the wrong way and you basically impale an eyeball on the end of the shears. Well, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, and also, that's not even that. It's also the fact that you've caused injury or harm to an animal and the trauma that you also actually experience if something like that would happen. God forbid that it ever would. Um, thankfully, I've never in 12, 14, oh, oops, I can't do math, can I? In 15 years, I've never heard of that actually happening. Um, but I have heard of ones where they've, uh, you know, got the end of their ear cut off or just the wrong place, the wrong movement, the wrong angle with a shear or a clipper blade or something. And it's just nicked a tiny little bit of skin and the thing is blown wide open. Joy Poodle. Um, <laughs> uh, that was a previous bad experience I had all turned out fine all turned out well it was handled properly and the way it should have been and uh, it wasn't trying to be covered up or hidden and unfortunately there are horror stories of that as well where dogs have gone home and then you know a week later or something there's this awful smell and they found out that there was a cut in there which at that point you cannot prove whether it was or, or not um caused at the groomer but that's that's horror stories i don't want to go down but um to try and find a groomer you are looking at 
um, checking out the ones in your area, obviously. You can go to the dog park or go downtown and walk your dog and see where there are other dogs being walked or there's one that you always admired. Go over and talk to them. Go, excuse me, your, your dog is absolutely gorgeous. I just wanted to ask where you get them groomed. And, um, you know, you may find out they did it themselves. And if they don't, well, there's a good line to a groomer. You can go along and visit your grooming shops, um, depending on their COVID regulations. Um, but for the most part, you can still get an idea even from outside the door when they open the door as to what waft of a, a scent comes out. Is it stinky dog and pee? Or is it some nice sort of fragrance or whatever and nice and clean and smells like a hairdresser's or a spa? And you should get that kind of feeling around it where, you know, you don't have like death metal blasting out um, because it should be a relaxing environment for your animal to go into as well as you for when you drop off and pick up. So definitely think about um, trusting your other senses rather than just your eyes as to what you see. But and certainly you are going to look and see if the place is clean. Is there mold growing on the walls? Um, are the groomers looking professional? Do they have proper smocks on? Do they care about their appearance? Do they care about the cleanliness in the salon? Um, and just general things and go with your gut um, because you're trying to scope this out for your dog. I don't suggest anyone to find out what the dog groomers is actually like the day they're dropping their animal off. Um, and basically you get what you pay for. So certainly when it comes to an animal and that animal can't come home from school and go, mommy, the teacher hit me. Um, then, you know, you want to find out and do your, your due diligence on um, the, whatever facilities are available in your area and whether they are going to fit your and your animals primarily needs. Um, there are a few dog grooming, professional dog grooming associations, which are, you know, privately done and it's a choice of any groomer to continue through their ranks and challenge their skills and learn some more skills. Um, it's certainly a nice thing to do whenever you see someone who's actually taken some of the exams because then they have actually challenged to see whether they're up to a certain standard. Um, just to be a member of a professional association will say that, okay, they've got that, but could that mean as well? It's like, oh, it's just to stick a certificate on the wall to impress somebody because they're looking for that. But that doesn't mean anything that they're a good groomer if they just paid their fee and said, oh, I'm a member of this association. Oh, whoop-de-doo. Um, that doesn't tell anything about them to you, honestly. It's a start if they're wanting to pursue certification. That's where they start. But you want a little bit more than that. To choose a groomer, please, 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 please do not ever, ever call and ask what the price is to groom a dog. That is the wrong question to ask any professional groomer. And if one will actually give you a quote, you probably won't want to go there because you probably either will not get what you're hoping for, or you will not have that price at pickup to pay. You cannot give a quote on how much it is to cut, how much it costs to groom a dog. And <laughs> you don't know if that dog's never been in before. You don't know how well it's mannered, how well it's handled, 
whether the size of the dog is actually what you the, the person was being told about. So if you say, oh, my dog's about 40 pounds and you get to the grooming salon and the groomer looks at it and goes, it's an old English sheepdog. At what point was 45 pounds completely fantastical? Um, so <laughs> expect not to get the price that you were quoted and please consider that you are going into someone's place of business as well, even though they absolutely love and adore your dog and they absolutely love and adore what they do, otherwise they wouldn't do it for the fact of the chances of being bitten, scratched, peed on, pooped on, definitely farted at, um, or anything else. Um, then you can be sure that they love doing what they do. So please, have some respect for that person in that business, knowing that that is their business. And number one, show up for your appointment. Two, if you can't show up, follow their cancellation or no-show um, schedule, which they should have. A doctor has it, and they're only going to see you for like 10 or 15 minutes. So if your groomer is going to lose um, a whole groom, which is maybe an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, depending on what's being done in the size of the dog, then you have to consider that that is lost income. So if your boss turned around tomorrow and said to you, well, I don't fancy paying you for tomorrow afternoon. How would you feel for that? Um, you wouldn't be too happy. So please consider that that is your groomer's income and that is their livelihood that you are compromising. If there are emergency things, your groomer will probably more than likely be very accommodating for you because they are empathic creatures themselves. That's why they do what they do. But don't take advantage of that, please. Please respect them. Please treat them like gold. And if you are getting the services that you expect, you ask for, and more than that, which is what you will get from any good professional groomer out there, then you are absolutely blessed and your dog is even more so. So please keep that in mind. So whenever you go, yes, show up, show up on time or a little bit earlier, please have your dog potted. So make sure that you didn't just get up in the morning, grab the dog, throw it in the car and drive to the groomers. Make sure you've taken that dog out to pee or poo because maybe your groomer will actually charge a cleanup fee if it decides to just poo all over the table as soon as it does there or do it in the bathtub, which is always really pleasant. And yes, it happens. So consider that just a little bit of respect goes a long, long way. You're expecting this dog to be well looked after, which it will be, um, to be well cared for. Um, to be treated fairly, to be treated respectfully, to be handled safely and courteously. Because if you have an older pet, for example, as well, you don't want that dog groomer to be reefing on a leg when that dog doesn't have the mobility or the range of motion that maybe a, a one-year-old does. So things like that as well. And you must communicate these things with your groomer. So please be open and honest because it's a very much a two-way street and the communication has to be very, very open with you and your groomer so that you can make sure that your dog is going to be cared for in the most best, best of possible um, conditions and fashion while it's out of your sight. So if you have any health issues, please let them know. 
if there has been any episodes or previous bite records at another groomer, let them know. This is not necessarily a no from the groomer to book the appointment, but it lets the groomer know, okay, I may have a fearful or reactive dog and therefore I need to take the precautions. I need to know how to handle this dog properly, safely, humanely. And yes, using a muzzle is humane. It is not abusive and it should not be disallowed in any grooming establishment big box store or not it doesn't matter it is the safety and well-being of the groomer and the dog that are both priority so you have to take that into consideration also mention as well if the dog is on any medications if the dog has ever had a seizure if the dog has ever had a stroke if the dog has just had surgery if the dog is spayed or not or neutered and when the last heat was whether it's a show dog or not. And especially if you have a full intact female or male dog, um, you also want to make sure what the, the, the um, housing or accommodation while your dog isn't on the table or in the bathtub or being handled by a groomer, where they're being kept. Um, Cage-free is not always the way to go. And I will address this slightly because there's a few reasons. Um, I've watched in the past videos of look at all the puppies having fun at the grooming salon and some inexperienced person who's standing there in the middle of a lot of dogs running around their feet and having a game of chase. It's like, Oh, look, it's so much fun. It's great. Um, there's a bit of a downside to that. Whereas it's not safe. Um, if you have leads of clippers going somewhere or, you know, those 10 inch pair of shears again, sitting on a table or just somewhere else where somebody knocks against it, those fall. Whoops. Um, <laughs> just different things like that. If, if they're running around a little stressful, if you've got a younger groomer in the shop as well, who's not completely experienced and they have a little difficult dog on the table it's very distracting and it's very stressful. So you want to have a very calm, quiet environment. Now dogs can be running around in another area as long as they're being maintained, monitored and you know, controlled or just looked after. Because I've also seen the videos as well of that where, oh, they've had their bath and look, oh, they're playing. And that's what they maybe saw and what I saw was two dogs intimidating another one who was cowering in the corner and being put through incredible stress. And that to me is screaming, help me from an animal's perspective. And it's very, very sad, but there are an awful lot of people who can make a dog look pretty, but they don't know anything about dog behavior whenever there's a group. Um, so unless you have about 30, 40 years of experience or 10 or 20 hands-on full-time, whatever it is, unless you understand all of that dog behavior, um, then I wouldn't be having a cage-free facility and owners, and this is the problem, there are cage-free facilities and accidents do happen. The insurance rates, speaking to the main insurance provider here in Canada, 
um, and asking about this a few years ago, the highest instances of claims come from cage-free facilities. And it's more often than not a bite from a dog to a dog. So you will have dog attacks in them. This is a very well-documented statistic because if there's an insurance claim that's going to happen, it's going to be when an owner's dog is damaged or hurt um, or escapes because they're not being controlled in a nice little kenneled area or an exercise pen or a pen or whatever where, you know, that family's in or whatever. But make sure it's safe, clean as well, not that some dirty old um, very kennel in the back corner of the kitchen or something in the, the shop. Um, so ask all of these questions as well. But the problem with the cage frame, why it became so popular is because some groomers may have been keeping dogs on a very, very long schedule and some owners that just think that this is abuse, which is completely and utterly ridiculous. Dogs are naturally dead animals. They will feel 10 times safer in their own little square, like their own little room, whenever, you know, you just took Timmy to school for the first day ever in its life. It's traumatizing. If they have a space at a desk, they know at least that little space is theirs. It is relaxing. It is somewhere else to bring the stress level down. It's the same for your animal whenever they're in a, a groomer's or daycare or whatever. If they know they have their own little room, that they don't be, they're not being bothered by that pesky Jack Russell down the line or by that yapping little Yorkie that just came in, then they can curl up, lie down and have a little snooze until you come and pick them up again after they've been groomed. So that may take a lot of people off. I don't care. I'm always speaking for the animals. Um, that is my main focus here. It always has been. And I will always speak the truth for them as I understand it and as I know at any particular time. Um, if you can also invest in a brush and a comb at home, you need to do some work on that coat in between grooming. Your actual indus industry standard grooming schedule should be between four and six weeks. Now, if you want to keep a longer trim or a very show coat on a poodle, for example, you're every week. No questions, no ifs, ands, or buts. Because if that coat gets out of hand, that's it. Especially if it's a big show coat. And if you're talking to any show people that have show poodles, for example, they're usually on some sort of a routine with that dog sitting by them every night while they're watching the TV or their Netflix or reading a book on online or whatever it is. And they'll be doing a paw, or they'll be doing a top knot or they'll be doing a leg and they'll rotate it. And you see, if anyone's watching, I'm actually holding a comb in my hand while I'm going through the motions talking about that and not just a brush. A brush is great for separating general, but a comb will not lie. It will catch any other little tangle down there. It will go right to the skin. And certainly this is something you need to be in touch with the fact that you need to be doing maintenance in between. Um, I mean, you need to do maintenance on anything to upkeep it. You need to do it on your own hair. I mean, certainly, I mean, this mop here, I've left it look 
terrible today so that you can see that's only you know a few hours since i brushed it this morning um but already there are tangles and mats and i cannot pull that comb through too easily without a little bit of work to get it right through to come out the bottom end so if you're doing that on a dog's coat that hasn't been touched for two weeks and certainly even if it's only half of this length or a quarter of this length those tangles are going to be sore to pull on. So you want to make sure that you are going through it regularly so that you are getting this kind of effect. And I'm just running the comb right through my hair, almost from the skin level or from the root right to the tip. And unless I can do that with a comb, then I'm not going to be able to get a lovely long coat left by the time I visit that groomer. So if I just go in where I'm putting my comb through the other side of my hair now to the bottom and it's stuck. So if you can imagine that a, 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 a coat, sorry, that isn't being combed out and maintained and nurtured and in fact used with a little uh, detangling or leave-in conditioner spray as well to help the slip or that comb to go through there, that will just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and go right to the base of the hair. So whenever you go into your groomer and go, okay, I want it all combed out and done that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the groomer turns around and says no. And please don't be a, a surprised or offended if the groomer looks at the dog in the state where it's matted and goes, no, I am not dematting your dog. Um, you are actually being cruel to your animal and also to the groomer if you demand that that dog be dematted. Um, if you came to me with a very severely matted dog and demanded that I dematted it, I would demand that you left my shop. It's that simple. I will not abuse that animal by making it be enduring two to three hours of torture um, and basically it's not going to happen. It's going to get sent home. Um, if that dog's not used to being brushed and combed, it's not going to tolerate me doing it because you haven't done it for four months, three months, two weeks where it's been swimming every day. Um, every version's different, but don't turn around and say, it was fine yesterday. He just got mad at the car on the way down. It rained on the way down this morning or some nonsense. Do you know how many groomers that if we got a dollar for every time we heard that excuse as to why the dog is mad at coming into the salon, we'd be rich, we wouldn't be groomers. We wouldn't need to be. So don't try and tell us that I just got mad because I was away last week. Um, no, <laughs> sorry, no. Um, as I was taught when I did my, my certificate in Scotland, actually, originally in 2006, I'm now retired. I don't groom anymore. Um, it was due to health reasons, which anyone who's listened to other ones and, and knows me a bit more than just this um, knows why. But whenever I learned, I was basically taught that unless you can get that comb right through the dog's hair, then you basically are going to be dictated to by the dog's coat and to what blade length you can get underneath those mats to get out. So if you get upset because you didn't brush or comb 
your dog and got a new groomer and um, they shaved it, then do not be upset. Now, if it's a double coat of breed and the groomer shaved it, I would be very upset. But that is down to you as a pet guardian to do your homework, do your research, do your due diligence and know what is going to happen and what the expectations are and have a very open communication with your groomer or your prospective groomer before you actually make an appointment. So that is basically just a little one-on-one that a lot of people don't even know about or don't consider. Um, I'm not offending any of my grooming clients now because A, I don't have any. B, I had fantastic clients who appreciated the education and who appreciated the fact that their dogs were spoiled absolutely rotten whenever they were in my care. Uh, We always did the best that we could for them. And certainly any of the groomers who I trained whenever I had the school that are still out there grooming are very successful and very well respected and kudos to them for continuing. So thank you for joining me. I think I'm going to wrap this one up right now. We will go into future ones as well, more about the pets with the products and ingredients and things as well to look for and to to stay away from. And a little bit more about the myth marketing surrounding a lot of those. So you may have seen bits and pieces of that on other podcasts that I've been a guest on, but uh, I've done a little bit more research on those as well and have some more tidbits and interesting um, thoughts and um, evidence or education to share with you. So thank you very much again for joining me on Quantum Yours. Hopefully this has actually enlightened you a little bit as to what's involved in the dog grooming world, um, what things you should be considering now, and that you should be a little bit nicer to your groomer the next time you see them. <laughs> or in fact, if you are nice to them, then yay for you because you are the perfect client. So thank you so much for watching. Um, like, click, share, subscribe. Um, go onto our website, send us information on what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show, send us a question or two about other shows you would like us to do. And certainly as well on finessiumhealth.com, you can also go and sign up for those monthly Q&A lives that we do on Zoom too. So thanks very much, folks. Take care, hug those fur babies and look after yourselves. And until next time, as always, stay possum. All information, products, and topics discussed in the show are simply the host and guest's personal opinions and are for informational purposes only, non-claim to offer a diagnosis, treatment, or cure. All listeners and viewers are encouraged to do their own research and consult with their own healthcare providers before changing or adapting any new protocols. Finesium Holistic Health, nor any of its entities, assume any responsibility or liability for any consequence relating directly or indirectly from the information contained within the podcast.